0: Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. We're at, we're at 26 episodes. I am a quarter of the way to my goal of 100. And I knew as I've said in in several previous episodes that if I got to 10, I'd get to 100. It was the first it was the first 10% that was going to be difficult. Well, here we are, we're well on the journey, episode 26. I love this podcast. I I absolutely love doing this and I, I took the summer off because the band was touring a bunch and we were recording and, and life just got to be a handful and I actually I don't like to say I don't like when people say they're too busy th- for things. I like so I'll say I didn't prioritize it. I didn't prioritize doing this over the summer because I had other things that were higher priorities and I don't regret that. I had other things that were higher priorities but I've fallen in love with doing this again and I am I'm enjoying it more now than ever. The last couple episodes I've I've sort of hit a stride and said, yeah, I I love doing this. I want to work to advertise it more. I want to do as many conversations as possible. Maybe I want to release it weekly instead of every other week. I don't know. But it's days like today that make me really enjoy doing this. It, it's cool. There's a there's a freedom. This is my show. I can do it for 10 minutes, I can do it for 30 seconds, I can do it for uh, 2 hours and 30 minutes if I want to, there's no producer, that's me and I get to have conversations with whoever I want to and it sort of feels like cheating that because I have a podcast I can just call up whoever and, the, and we'll sit down and chat together, it's, it's really cool and uh, Buck, Buckstein and I have known each other for several years now we're not we don't chat regularly. We don't go out to lunch once a month, but we've come across we've crossed paths several times i I think the maybe the first time was back in twenty fourteen when we did a writer's round together at the Toad Tavern down in Littleton, Colorado. And we may have met before then. I think the next time we were at the Durango Songwriters Expo in California, and he had brought Uh, a current flame with him and there was somebody was having a party in their hotel room and we were both attending that party and there was a bathtub filled with ice and lots of beer. And he was sitting, he was in there when I was looking for a beer, but he, he seemed to be more of a permanent staple next to the bathtub than I was. I don't know if he was handing out beer or just drinking more of it than everyone else, but, or maybe I'm remembering this all wrong, but we we hung out at a at a party at the Durango Songwriters Expo, and then we both uh, played a an event on this past Memorial Day for the veterans in, down in Castle Rock, which was for a really good cause and, and a lot of fun. But he's somebody I've I've always admired, and I always crack up at his social media. He does a lot of he has a lot of great posts. He does a lot of great shows. He's gotten big in the Denver scene and the Colorado scene. He's somebody, when you think of country music, you think of you think of Bu- Buckstein. I think you think of Buckstein, you think of Ryan Chris When you think of uh, local country artists, I'm working on getting Ryan on the podcast as well. But he's been a, a house band at the Grizzly Rose for a long time. He shares songs on KYGO frequently. He does a lot of Commercials and advertisements. If, if you don't know who Buckstein is, you've probably heard his voice somewhere, uh, maybe on a commercial. He has the class. He has the classic, sexy country voice, and we actually talk about that uh, on the podcast, the country thing. But he's just a real good dude, and and uh, after after recording the episode, I I had I had one of those reminders of wow, you know, I really. I really love doing this. I'm really lucky. And we actually recorded this a day after Thanksgiving. So something to be thankful for. I'm thankful for the podcast. All the cool people I get to meet all the cool people I get to talk to. But this is a great episode. We talk a lot about uh, how he came up. He had his time on American Idol. And that that's a fun story we talk he actually goes into the process of American Idol a little bit how it works from the beginning rounds but he was a contestant he made somewhat of a name for himself on Idol he came up doing drama at George Washington High School yeah uh, here in Colorado and Denver went to college at Cal State Fullerton and then after the Idol days came back to Denver and uh, and, and has had a music career ever since and his in his done a lot of things in the scene. I always enjoy meeting new personalities and getting to talk before and after the podcast. And I always make observations about people. And one thing I noticed is is Buckstein, Matt Buckstein, has been in front of a microphone a few times. It's It sort of amazes me. I have a music podcast. It's called Middle Class Rockstar. We're all musicians trying to make it for whatever that means. And most musicians don't understand how to talk into a microphone. It, it sort of blows me away, and maybe I, I didn't know how to either until I started the podcast. I don't know. But when I have music industry people on, they're typically very good speakers. They can typically talk right into the microphone. When I have musicians on, they might be a shredding metal singer with the mic halfway down their throat at the Bluebird Theater the night before— and then they come on the podcast, and they sound like, well, yeah, when I was 16, I... Blah, 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 blah. And it, it's, sort of, it's sort of funny. I, I don't know if it's a bashful thing. But speaking into a microphone seems like an essential skill for anyone in the music industry. And Buckstein has that skill. This is the first episode where I've had somebody who speaks as loud or louder than I do into the microphone. 26 episodes in. I usually have to do some editing, turn, turn them up, turn me down, put some little nerdy effects on to make it all sound the right way, but this episode is the first one where I, I clicked record, we talked all the way through, no one clipped on the mic, nobody uh, spoke too softly, no one looked away from the microphone, we both just talked into the mic and had an interview, and I am doing literally zero editing. Not to be lazy, but because I I don't have to, because Buckstein has clearly done the radio thing before. He's clearly spoken to a few microphones. So, Matt, thank you for that. I also want to mention that Buckstein fixed my toilet after we were done with the interview. He went, he asked where the bathroom was. I said, sure, it's right across the hall from my bedroom. And he went in, he was in there for a long time. And for a minute I thought, man, you know, did you just come over here to use my bathroom? He'd been in there for a while. And I, then I realized that our, our flusher has a malfunction. So I went outside the bathroom and knocked, and I said, hey, man, uh, you got to do X, Y, Z to get the toilet to flush correctly. And he walks out, and he says, I know. I fixed it. Couldn't help myself. Your toilet's fixed now. That's what he sounded like, too. That's, that's how he... Uh, that's how, he, that's how he talks. And he let me know that he fixed my toilet, and I tried it out, and sure enough, he did. So thank you, Buckstein, if you're listening to this, for fixing my toilet. Thanks for being great at talking to the microphone, and thanks for a great interview. I've been going for a long time now, so I'm just going to jump into it. Here's my interview with Buckstein. All right, Buckstein, what's happening? How you doing, Andy? I'm doing well. I was I know it's really cold outside and it's snowing, but I was secretly, or was is a lot of snow. Yeah. I was secretly hoping that you were gonna be wearing a tank top. <laughs> Because I was envisioning doing a selfie with you and posting it up online, saying "Happy Thanksgiving." Oh, really? Yeah, I know. Stupid.
1: <laughs> I would have been. You could have told me, man. I would have. I'm the <laughs> kind of guy that would have played that up. Yeah, no, it's it's freezing out there, but uh, at least your roommates make mimosas, so that's nice. They
0: do. We'll have a. They have. There's a red button on the wall too. If you need a refill, yeah. Oh, they it, get they get brought right down. Yeah. So let's just rip that off the wall and put it right next to me. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to I want to jump in with a quick question. I read a recent Facebook post of yours mm. about dry balls, mm-hmm. um, and it's very—I'll let you talk about it, but it seems like a very practical thing that the average person wouldn't think about, and that's that <laughs> part of the blanket or part of the towel is a different color so that you can— I want to promise
1: your listeners that this will be about music and my career in the music industry, but yeah, this seems to be uh, trending uh, in my world. So uh, yeah, no, a friend of mine uh, has a Kickstarter company called Dry Balls, and uh, and they reached out to me through Facebook, and they, they, they had this concept, and I'm sure they must have gotten it from a man, but that... You know, when you dry yourself off after a shower, you don't want to use the same part of the towel for your face <laughs> as you do your balls, Right. And whether or not that ever bothered you, when you think about it, there's a part of you that's like, you yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. So uh, they reached out to me through, uh, through my socials and they said, you know, we want to send you this prototype. Would you check it out? And I did. And it's, a, it's actually a really good quality towel that's also kind of like a really good gag gift. So, uh, um, so I posted that, I posted a picture of me like in the bathroom with this towel. And, uh, it's, it's, if you go, you can go to my socials and check it out, but it's not as, it's not as racy as it
0: sounds, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we can. We'll put a link in the show notes.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please. Yeah, go to all of the the Facebooks, the Insta, the Insta snaps, and all that stuff. We'll check it out. Yeah. Well,
0: well, let's let's spend this episode because that's something very, that just happened. Let's spend the whole episode getting up to that point.
1: <laughs> the highlight of my career, the <laughs> yeah. dry balls post on Instagram. Let's do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So where did where did you grow up? Where were you born?
1: Uh, I grew up in Denver, Colorado. I was born in Denver in Rose Hospital. Uh, back in the year, the, the year of 1981, okay, and um, and I grew up uh, not far from there. I mean, I grew up pretty much Denver proper. I went to George Washington High School, and then uh, I left when I graduated George Washington High School in 1999, 20 years ago. Damn. Um, I went I, back then. I wanted to be an actor throughout high school. I was I was an actor and uh a f- you know a fairly successful one for a high school for a high school student you know i got the leads in a few plays and yeah and some musicals and stuff too which i
0: didn't realize would come into play later you know? how, how did that start to happen why did you get into that
1: <sighs> you know i was uh, i originally took i think i think every, like every kid i thought to myself i want to be a movie star you know, right. and and I didn't know I, as as a ten year old, you have no idea the steps are to be a movie star. You just know that you want to be a movie star, right? And when I got into high school, I had heard about drama, the drama class, and I didn't want. And I remember the first year I was in high school, I didn't want to be in drama class because I thought I don't want to be in theater. I want to be in movies, right? You know, not understanding that that training kind of is what is you know is a is a precursor to being an actor in movies. So, uh, but then. This my sophomore year, I needed a class to fulfill a slot you know, in your curriculum or whatever, and I, um, I wanted to get out of ROTC, which I had taken as a freshman, so I took drama. And I tried out for the first play of the year, we did four plays every year, and I tried out for the first play of the year, which was a play called I Hate Hamlet. And I got the lead in the first play I'd ever tried out wow. for. Yeah, it pissed off a lot of seniors. Because here I, you know, like seniors work their way up, and they're supposed to be the ones that get the leads. And I was this just sophomore, zero people had heard of in the theater department. And, of course, that's like, that's a that's a microcosm of a community itself. You know, every, lots of, you know. Yeah. Like, it just people chat, and, and you're popular in that clique. And I'd never been popular in a clique before, but all of a sudden... You know, I was the lead in, in the first play of the year. Why and did you get the job? Because I'm just a good-looking son of a bitch, Andy. <laughs> and I'm just naturally <laughs> talented. I have no idea. I think, I think yeah, I mean, I, clearly I had some natural ham ability, you know. I just, I, I stood on stage, I had a script, and I did what I thought I should do. And I think that was probably at least one of the times in my life that I realized like the natural ability was just there. I mean, that people can spend years practicing with a script in their hand to get the confidence to stand on stage and do an audition. And it was something, at least at a high school level, that I did well enough at the time to be instantly successful yeah and and you see a lot of that now i mean there's i like guess songwriters i mean we probably say you know we've been working for a long time as songwriters and then there's guys that come on the scene last year and they write songs that blow up and we're like man mother i've been writing songs yeah. for 20 years and i have not and and you recognize their talent and some people are just instantly talented at some things right and so for whatever you know whatever talent level i needed to succeed in the in the high school drama department, I was I I just I had it. I just kind of had an like an instant confidence, and I mean, I was I was tall. I mean, I, yeah, you know, for theater and stuff, you got to fit the bill. You got to fit the, the. Had you the developed
0: role. at this point? Did you have the low voice and mm. and things?
1: I I I mean. <laughs> I guess my voice has always, like, I, I can remember even being, yeah, like, like, I think 12 or 13 in a theater camp or something from, from middle school. Right. Like, I went to, a I think, a theater camp and, and then forgot about it for years after that. But I went to a theater camp and we were singing, you know, we'd, we'd get around, we'd sing stuff. And I remember, like, the guy hitting the lower notes on the the piano. And I just kept going down and down and down. And people were like, Jesus, how low can you <laughs> sing? But, I mean, I wasn't. It certainly wasn't like it is now. I mean, now right. the voice is a result of many of years of whiskey and singing very loudly. Right, like it's you know that wasn't that wasn't part of my regimen back when I was twelve. So, right. but I'm sure. sure, yeah, that I was just. I mean, I was naturally more of a yeah deep voice guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I had a powerful, loud voice back then, which I right. was probably in high school was at least something that was unique enough to get you noticed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so. Uh, uh, I started you know theater in high school, and I and I continued that. Obviously, having the lead in the first play I ever tried out for gave me a pretty prominent high school theater career yeah. for the next three years, and and uh, and you know was a senior and leading man in the in the musicals and stuff. And then from there, it's like, well, you got to go to theater school. So
0: and you went to George Washington, right? right? Which d- did you collide with any well-known people in your class? I know the Billupses went there. Did is there anybody who we all know that you were in class with as a high schooler, yeah,
1: man. So, like the Billupses, um, uh, Chant Ch- Chauncey was a little bit before my time, I think he like left like right when I got there, yeah. I had a class with his cousin or whatever, but you know, like they, yeah, right, right. Um, certainly were friends. There were some prominent uh, people that came out of the theater department. Sierra Bogus uh, is now a very well respected and successful Broadway. Theater performer, she originated the role of Ariel on Broadway. No way, in The Little Mermaid. Yeah, wow. so when The Little Mermaid, she was doing stuff in Vegas, and then when The Little Mermaid had a thing, she got the role. And no kidding, she's been she's been huge ever since. Um, Andy Rock, also known as Andy Guerrero. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, yeah. So we were in plays together. We were in high school. I remember going to. So for those of you that don't know, that don't know, Andy was one of the founding members. Of uh, the explosive group, the Flobots, yep. um, and they, you know, shot up with a with a with a single and a great album, uh, Handlebars, low uh, so many years ago. And um, Andy back then was—I mean, I remember going to his shows as as a youngin. You know, what I mean, like he had a, he had a he had a group called the Function. He was always yeah. doing music. It was F U N K T I O N, and we would go to the. <laughs> I mean, thinking back then, like how we would all go to the, the whatever club and we'd all get our hands stamped because none of us could drink, but he'd have a really good crowd of high school students that, you know, all went to enjoy his time on stage and partying. And I, I think back to that, I, I didn't even have a thought in my brain of getting on stage at that point. Like that was not, you know, that was not in my, in it, that, that was, that was not in my plan at all. Yeah. But Andy, um. Andy was big in our circles, and then he went on to do the Flobots, and then years later, I had him actually produce uh, my my Countryside EP. So the EP that's uh, on Spotify and everywhere, yeah, um, digitally is uh, was produced by Andy.
0: And do so. you guys stay in touch? We do, we do. Yeah, I, I mean,
1: like yeah. like we all stay in touch. You know, right, every right, now and right. again, we'll see a thing on Facebook. I mean, he's got his life and family and growing, you know, and, and ever changing career yeah. <laughs> as do I have mine. Yeah. So, but yeah, got each other's got each other's phone numbers. So, you know, Very we, good. Uh, we, we swap a text every now and again, just to see how nice. each other doing. Yeah.
0: Good. So you finished college at uh, at GW and, and then what happens? High school at GW. <laughs> yeah. I, did I say college? <laughs> you did. I did. You did. Mention. You did. There's probably a college GW, right? <laughs> there's probably.
1: There's definitely a George Washington college. There has to be. He's a uh, first president of the United States. Um, I learned that in Good college. Trivia,
0: trivia. <laughs> you learned that in college. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. I'm sure I learned it before then, and then relearned it in college. Yeah,
0: that's um, why my high school was called that. Right. Yep. Right. 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 No. Uh, yeah. So
1: um, I, uh, I I finished high school at GW, and then I was like, "Well, I got to get out to California and do this acting thing." And I didn't, you know, I I or or I was going to go to New York. I tried out for NYU, and I got and I and I. Did really good with the auditions, but then I just didn't get accepted. Probably because my SATs were dog shit. Like I tested horribly. Right. Um. And so, which was actually really good in retrospect, because I would have spent I think forty or fifty thousand dollars a semester on a Ooh. on a on a, an education I'd still be paying off, and I didn't even come to use you know as an actor. So then I went to California State University of Fullerton, which is a small commuter co- commuter college in Orange County, California. But sure. it had a really, really highly respected and highly ranked theater department.
0: I've heard of Cal State Fullerton. Yeah, probably. Th- I, I, I think CU probably beats up on them in an exhibition game in basketball every five yeah, years. Yeah, yeah,
1: but then if it came to baseball, Fullerton would like, they've got a great baseball Okay. Team. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. maybe that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, I mean, maybe CU can get one over on them. But I know Fullerton's got a really good baseball program down nice. there. So that's what they're famous for. Cool. Um... And uh and, you know, pumping out some good theater students, like Kevin Costner went there. Although no kidding. I don't even know that <laughs> they say that's one of their big claims to fame and I don't know that like I think he was like a business major. I don't even think he got into acting until like maybe after. I don't like I never heard any stories of like or pictures on the wall, like here's Kevin Costner in the play in Cal State Fullerton. It's just like he went here.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, he, maybe, he maybe he maybe did department. three weeks and left or something.
1: Right. Like but then you know a lot of a lot of actors from that program went on to do um, great stuff in Broadway and a few things in film. One of my good buddies, uh, it, you know, he's just, he's in the Mandalorian, which that's pretty hot right now. Yeah. Everyone's talking about that. Um, Omid Abtahi, look him up. Shout out Omid. And, uh, um, so I did four years of that, uh, college, uh, as a theater major with an emphasis in acting. And, um, that was great. I got out of that. I went, I moved to Burbank um, California where I was for three years. And, um, yeah, in that, you know, in that three year time, I, I tried to be an actor the best I could figure out how. Yeah. And I couldn't even get arrested in Los Angeles. Like it was, (laughs) it was like no, no action at all. No attention. Nope. And, uh, you know, I, I, take headshots, I'd submit, I'd, email, and I'd mail, back then you mailed shit. Yeah. You know, I mailed stuff to, to, uh, to, um, talent agents and tried to, you know, get at my foot in the door and always got, you know, rejected every time. Had, had a little, had like an internship with a top level talent agency, which I could see like that was, that was bringing maybe some momentum to getting into the scene. But then I realized like I didn't like the scene, you know, i mean, a yeah. young kid trying to deal with the, the the highfalutin this and that of of la um it's it's so daunting and it's Mm -hmm. so i think you're either in it or you're not um and this and and this was a time this was this was pre really kind of pre big social media stuff where you could like just do your research at home like you had to get out and really meet people and um right around the time i was doing that uh i some friends brought to my attention this American Idol show, which had been doing well. And, and before,
0: before we jump into that really quick, cause I sure. want, cause yeah. that's a, that's a big story yeah. itself, yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah, so yeah. you're, you're hanging I around to, myself. <laughs> you're, you're hanging around LA and you realize you don't like the scene. What is that doing for you internally to know that that's what you've wanted to do since you were a kid. And all of a sudden, even if you did get into the scene, mm. you don't really like them that much anyway.
1: It's a great question. And, because and I'm glad you asked stuff like that Andy because I think the emotional component of the entertainment business is something that's less talked about but should be because the entertainment business is such an emotionally charged business for us that are for us artists artists are emotionally charged people right Um, so I would say that you know I wasn't sure how quick success was supposed to happen but I do think that we all imagine that we're gonna move to L.A. or Nashville or wherever you know wherever it is that you're gonna as an artist you're gonna be discovered, and that some fat guy with a cigar is gonna be walking by you and say I'm gonna put you in a movie's kid, and that's that's how it's gonna you don't you don't know exactly how it's gonna happen, but you you're just waiting for the break, and at 20 whatever I was you know 23 24 when I was really going through that. I certainly didn't have this feeling of like, man, I haven't made it yet. When is it going to happen? But but there was a, a painful awareness that it wasn't as easy as you thought. And helplessness because you had zero idea what else to do. Yeah. I think throughout my entire career, one of the things I've always fought against and really tried to do make sure I'm doing less and less these days is waking up in the morning without a plan. Waking up in the morning without an objective, something to something to sink your teeth into because like like you know I just just talking about it. you mail out all your headshots and resumes to people and then you just wait. Yeah. <laughs> you hope that one of them is going to call you and like, yeah, we'd be interested in having you as a as a client, and it just doesn't happen that way, you know what yeah. I mean. And w- and and then you wait for forever to see if that doesn't happen because half of most of most of them don't even call you back. Right. Sometimes there's a guy that calls you and says, "Hi, thank you for submitting. Unfortunately, we're not looking for people this time." That was my job when I worked for the when I when I was an intern at the talent oh agency. God, so, God you were that's that guy. So, holy shit, was that horrible? Because there was I had the worst phone timing i think what you're supposed to do is call and just say we're not interested immediately but here's how it'd go like andy oh, no. andy's andy said would sit out right sito sito rhymes with I had kiddo a, i had a 50 <laughs> chance and i and i fucked that that's up.
0: okay you that you're better than feel free Kinos. to edit
1: that out me screwing up your name it's like i never <laughs> get, get to pronounce it <laughs> so andy sito andy sito would submit and uh i would i would
0: and these are really 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 good looking headshots
1: yeah exactly Very exactly good. and and you put a lot of time in it and you know that you're going to get a call and so you get a call from whatever agency i was working at, at the time and let's pick, do it yeah okay uh so ring ring hello hi is this andy sito
0: this is andy sito
1: hi andy sito uh this is buckstein calling from uh, your big break talent. <gasps> hold on. Hold on.
0: Mom. 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 Come
1: here. Come here. How on. are you? How are Get you? Get
0: everybody over here. No, we're doing great. We're doing great.
1: Good. Good. Yeah. Uh, so just wanted to call. Uh, we got your submission. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, we're not interested at this time. Oh. But uh, But thank you. Thank you so much. And good luck to you. Oh,
0: and then you hang up quickly. And then you hang up. Oh man. Then, or
1: you wait for them to say, but you did that perfectly. Because <laughs> like that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly how that would happen. Is like the minute you call and you say, I'm from such and such agency, you're like, fuck yeah, man. I got the uh yes, yes, this is the call I've been waiting for. And then yeah. you immediately dash their dreams five seconds later when they give you a chance to talk. Right. So <laughs> Right. Anyway, there's that little oh my journey down memory relay. That was well, that was you know that what, was a tough job.
0: Doesn't that 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 probably helped you as an individual and and as somebody trying to make it the same as they were to see the other side yeah. of it and toughen up. Yeah. I
1: mean, like you know, this uh, entertainment's a tough business, man. I yeah. mean, with the, all the things we go through with, with the judgment from others and the judgment from ourselves and rejection at every turn. It doesn't. I don't care how successful you are. I mean, there's still rejection to to every to every stage of this business at least that i can see um and uh and that's something you need to have thick skin to deal with sure if you don't have thick skin this any entertainment business i think will swallow you whole
0: i think a lot of the people that end up making it have the thickest skin Mm. because they're 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 the last ones to leave the table
1: yeah 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 i mean i i look at guys and i wonder you know it's like You say, oh, they got it easy because they make all the money and they got their career set. But I mean, especially in this world now where every idiot has a voice. Like, (laughs) I mean, you know, like anybody can just write a shitty thing on Twitter or, or you know, Facebook or Instagram. I mean, it's like, I don't know what it's like to be some of these artists that are like universally loved and hated at the same time. Like, I don't know what, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be Nickelback. I can't imagine what it's like to be Luke Bryan, not to chirp on my own. I mean, like, I actually... Think I mean I, I a lot of respect Luke Bryan I mean he plays yeah. giant arenas and if he came through town and asked me to open for him I'd do it for free of course but you know but does he get a ton of shit from like certain certain facets of country music fans as well as other country music artists for right I mean for just basic like very you know surface level country songs and lyrics like he does right. he does I mean that's that's known everywhere so i mean how how tough is that to be the the, the that guy yeah i i because i don't like i mean you know I, like i got a decent social media engagement right now and i don't really have haters yet that's kind of how you know you've made it You're ma- say, yeah. like when when you have haters but every now and again somebody will say like a mildly shitty thing and i'm like oh man let me go apologize to that person oh like let me make sure let me make sure i'm making it right let me print a retraction let me do a thing and and you know
0: you should just maybe say fuck them and yeah probably yeah
1: yeah that's i think i'm starting to get better at that but you know we're thinking feeling people that's why we became we became artists probably because we're feelers right you know what i mean because you know we we have something to say we're emotional at heart you know what i mean and then you you take them you know like an emotional person and then train them to just be like cold-blooded Sure. And then that's how you get
0: but a probably lot of problems. Luke Bryan is probably a thinking emotional person. I've never chatted with the guy, but he probably is. And there 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 is a threshold between um what you're what you're willing to do to fill up a stadium, you know, and and being and not being made fun of by a lot of people in the community or whatever. Like not having haters, I guess. Right. But to get somewhere you have haters.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, it once if you know that's man, this is that's a that's a topic in itself. You know, you I don't know how you are, but it's really easy to you know look at other people in this industry and compare yourself, and also get you know. I mean, there's there's jealousy along the way. Like you look at somebody who's doing a little bit better than you. And there's a friend maybe you might be a friend you yeah. might be sitting right across from you that's yeah. why i'm here andy because yeah. i'm jealous of you <laughs> no i uh the, the, i mean yeah absolutely like there's i mean there's friends i mean you were just telling me before we started here about uh, like your last podcast and how you were talking to a guy who broke off from your band and yeah, start another heard. band and i don't know if they're doing better or worse but i'm sure there's some you know your abuse you seem like a very well adjusted level-headed guy who does just you know who, who realizes that That anger is the last fuel that should be in your tank. Right, it doesn't. We ironed it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you iron and you're able to iron it out because you are good-hearted and good-natured. There's plenty of people, and we could talk in the in later on in this podcast about you know the shit that I've been through. I mean, like with going through different um, forms of like my music and my bands and people that don't want to talk to me now. I won't I won't mention any names. Sure, there's plenty of musicians out there that would just assume run over me in the middle of the street as run into me
0: it's you know what it's tough to be a band leader and i'm making a note because we should absolutely talk about that a little later it's tough to be a band leader especially when your name is the project and yep and uh, i'd love to hear your take on that
1: yep and and that was and that's what's funny with me is my name was the project and now my name like is that it's it's the brand it is it is it was it, the, the name was it was the name of the band and that then it just became my name and that's so that's right. something we need to talk about but yeah absolutely so, uh, um, idol idol yeah so to wrap this 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 portion up so um after right after uh co- like so college uh being a really shitty, unsuccessful actor for three years. And then some friends are like, let's go try out for American Idol. Like, I don't know, man, this looks kind of dumb. And so like I went with them and I tried out and... I, I think we did one round where we all got rejected, and then we're like, "All right, well, that was kind of fun, so let's go." go.
0: I don't know how to un. I don't know how to un-attach uh, my MacBook to the iMessaging? That. So I'm, I'm. I apologize. I'm very popular. Right I got now. a lot
1: of faith in this broadcast that you know your technical ability only extends to <laughs> does yeah. not extend to being able to silence your laptop. It sure, it
0: sure br- doesn't, and that's why I pass it off to. Uh, Patrick Badgley at PQ Mastering one of our sponsors so just make a quick making a quick bloop bloop for him Nice He'll do his best to fix it Nice
1: that's <laughs> great. The, you are popular <laughs> this morning
2: <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving
0: motherfucker That's what they all that was, say That was yesterday Yeah
1: yeah All right but So uh yeah so American Idol went out and uh with some friends um and like I think the first time we all tried out we all got rejected We we did we all got rejected and then we went to Uh, We came, it was coming to my hometown. I was still living in Denver. I was just, excuse me, I was still living in uh, Burbank at the time, but it was coming to Denver. And so we all flew here because we could stay with my folks and we all tried out. And I got through and none of my friends did. Wow. And then that was the year, that was my biggest like TV year because I made it through. And this was what year? This was 2006. Okay. Five, six, I think we you try out in five, and then the season airs in six. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So the so two thousand six. Uh, and 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 the big misconception about Idol is like you know, like ten thousand people show up. This is back in the Randy Paula Simon days. Yeah. So the like ten thousand people show up to the to Pepsi Center or whatever. OG Idol. And yeah. They they so like they people thought like that, you know, all these people showed up and they all got to see Randy Paula Simon. That's not the way it works. And if you know anything about production or television, you know that's not the way it works. They don't have time to see ten thousand people, it would take three weeks. Yeah. So you you basically go through two rounds where like the first round you're just on the field. And you, you're, you're in groups of four. There's a, you know an associate producer at each table. That, I mean, these tables are 12 deep. And you step forward and you sing 15 seconds. And then you step back. And then they keep some of you or they let all you go or whatever. And then you go from there into another room. With the executive producer, and producers producer I've
0: always wanted to ask sure. when they show it on TV mm-hmm. they show some of the early the quote unquote early rounds on TV. I don't know how real it is but they they show people getting really bagged on mm-hmm. do they bother bagging on you in the opening rounds if you're bad or do they just
1: uh not in that not in you know so yeah I mean what's funny is like once you know how the process works and that there's like there's several there's two stages at least that you go through before you get to the main judges. And then the judges are like laughing at you and, you know, like, wow, that was horrible. You've been passed on by not only like an associate producer, but an executive producer. You've been passed through. So So why do they
0: let shitty people through to that point? Because
1: shitty people make great television. Right. And if you just made a television show, and remember this as as your podcast becomes popular, like... (laughs) Trash sells. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like the 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 ugly shit. That's what we want to see. I mean, that's and and that that has been echoed throughout so many Instagram accounts and you know, websites and television shows. That you know we we all slow down to watch the car wreck. Right. right? That's true. And. So, yeah, like when William Hung came on there with she bang, she bang I mean, the, you know, the originator of like, you know, they, they, they put him through because he was interesting. William Hung also happened to be very lovable, so he went on to have a little career for a while. And, yeah. they, and Idol actually made what's called the William Hung Clause because as much as they, ha- they retained the rights for every artist they have that they put through their ranks, they did not retain the rights for William Hung. So, like once he got off and he got really popular and he was like touring, they didn't they didn't get any of that revenue Really So yeah he got really popular we know of course if you're going to get popular on someone's platform they're going to want a chunk Of, of course of, you know, I with, figured you know. that was
0: for everybody but they let him off the hook
1: There was no hook There was no hook developed at the time because oh, you, the you, clause you you, is you to only yeah you, on you only hook. really like you only really once you got past Randy Paul Simon then you signed a thing saying that you know you're you're Signing an agreement with 19 companies or whatever, and that you know you the the the, from here on out, you know we retain ownership of a portion of et cetera and so forth and so on. You know, but even if
0: they're making money off of something that's bad, if they put you through and expose you, whether your product is now the car wreck or not, they're getting a cut of it.
1: Now, yeah, now nowadays, if they make something off you that's bad, they will get a cut of that as well. I mean, if, if I said that wrong, if, if there's if money miss. being made off something that's bad or good, they get a cut of both sides. Wow. Um, and so, so yeah, so you make it through two rounds essentially before you go see Randy, Paul Simon. And that was, and that brings up an interesting point because I'm sitting there first day, you know, I mean like, like my, my big audition for Randy, Paul Simon and I, and I have this, realization that up to this point i mean because they've been putting shitty people through like i can see them over there like practicing and la 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 line and i'm like wow these people are horrible i mean it's it's very obvious to me that they're putting the horrible people through on purpose
0: so when you get up there are you wondering when you get put through exactly are you horrible
1: exactly <laughs> oh, exactly God. that is that's the that that's exactly what happened that's what goes to your head is you're like Man, am I one of the shitty ones? Like I if I don't make it through this round, then maybe I am shitty. And maybe I because when you watch those guys on television who are horrible, one thing people don't realize is like they do not know they are horrible. People don't go yes, do right. something thinking they're horrible. They think that they're great.
0: You wonder where that all came from. Somebody yeah. nobody told them up to this point.
1: And some people are so horrible, you're just like, God, I mean, that's just grand illusion that you thought that you, you know. Yeah. i mean but you question so i mean there's nothing there's no reassurance that i have i mean you no amount of your parents and your friends telling you that you're great because they all had parents and friends telling them they were great nothing really can set your mind at ease if at least if you're a, like the kind of thinker that i am that like what if what if i suck as bad as they do and they're laughing at me because i'm just I'm a deep va- I'm a deep voiced guy wearing a cowboy hat and that's
2: just and funny. And
0: probably the fact you were thinking like that meant that you didn't suck. Mm-hmm. And you don't. And 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 the fact that you had right. that intelligent of a thought process about it was a good thing, but of course you're not thinking like that in the moment.
1: No, that's a deep level of thought. Like yeah. then I have to be thinking about the the fact that I was thinking about what I was thinking about, you know what I mean? It's right. like so right. that level of awareness is pretty deep. But I was definitely uh like Vindicated and, and and justified when I got my golden ticket and and I made it through to Hollywood, and then um, for the purposes of time, I'll just I'll fast forward through this. So I made it through that first year, and uh, I made it through two rounds of Hollywood. We got into the group round, and you can see this on YouTube. Is Hollywood
0: so. all on TV.
1: Uh no, Hollywood, they do air it, but it's not live. Okay, so and that's that's a, a another like mind screw is that. You know, you as a, I mean, 26 is as old as you can be to audition for the show. I still think that's the top age. And most everybody is, like, you know, somewhere between, you know, like, like I mean, early, like, 21 and, like, 16. Mm -hmm. And so when you get brought to Hollywood to be on a singing television show, especially at the height of American Idol's popularity, like, back then. I mean, now it's like, you know, I mean, they're airing these things all the time. And none of the, I hate to say it, I mean, none of the, 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 the winners get the level of success at least haven't in many years, like Carrie Underwood or um, or Kelly Clarkson or they were Idol winners. Yeah. Oh yeah. Kelly Clarkson was, was, I mean like Carrie Underwood, easily the, the biggest, you know, success of reality television. Show's and are they produced.
0: still taking money from her?
1: I would think at this point they figured out how to get out of the deal, but there's a chance. Wow. There's a chance. I mean, I think I've, I've heard about people buying out. Um, a guy I'd met my year, Chris Daughtry. Yeah. He uh, he didn't even win. I think he was top six or four or something like that. He didn't even win, but he went on to have a much bigger career that year than the guy that one, which was uh Taylor Hicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a gray haired guy that is I think he's a DJ now or something like that. I have not kept up. Not not ragging on him. I just I, I you know. Yeah, kept you, up you, on it. You know, you've you you've you've either made it or you haven't. Right. And if I know your name because you've been releasing singles and climate, you know, like that's the way that works. Um but yeah, there's but so none of these shows, the reboot of American Idol or The Voice or anything else has produced stars like Idol did back then, right? And I got involved at the height of. I mean, that year we were like the the show was competing against the Olympics, and more people watched me get booted off American Idol than watched the Olympics that day. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah.
0: So this was, uh, is this O seven now?
1: Yeah, it was, that's 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 still that's still the O six year. The O six year was when. So to answer your question, the Hollywood round. Is broadcast, but it's not broadcast live. And they've got cameras everywhere covering everybody, right? I mean they're 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 looking at all these things. And then what they do is they take hundreds of hours of footage and they cram it down to maybe a one or two hour episode. But what that does for the contestants is you have a camera in your face, pretty much 24-7, and then you leave Hollywood and you're like, Man, wait, you guys just tune in. You are definitely gonna see me. They filmed me for like for like Four hours this day, like they filmed me and my group, and we went through all this stuff, and we had these really good like you guys are definitely gonna see me, and you tell all your friends and all your family, and they turn on American Idol and you don't exist. there's not even a speck i mean there's there's uh I think a hundred and forty people that go to Hollywood. you might get a storyline for a dozen, and there's people that you might see in the background in a crowd shot or something, but they're like people will think that they've got you know. That they're <laughs> that they're gonna be famous and there's there's nothing because you don't yeah. have contact with the producer. Nobody's telling you what's, what the episode's gonna look like. You just gotta watch like everybody else and find out if you're about to blow up the next day or not. And especially in this time when like you got social media. My my problem was, I mean, I was I was watched by over four hundred million people worldwide and I didn't even have a Twitter account. Were
0: you one of those twelve?
1: Uh, no I so I was so what happened that year was I got booted off in the group round we you know me and a couple guys we we did a decent job uh, but Simon and Randy didn't like it at all Paula they didn't air this Paula f- fought for me to stay on but she was outvoted by Randy and Simon and yeah well, she, fuck she, Randy and Simon she, right tasteless hacks yeah nice guys though. Yeah. simon cowell like what i mean as far as like a celebrity who will like genuinely shake your hand and look you in the eye it was, to this day one of the one of the more genuines i mean especially at that time when he was the biggest one of the biggest names in the world yeah. um but uh so when i got booted paul had sort of made this think about i just think you're 100 percent what's needed and i think you got robbed and and I said thank you. Said my thank yous, but we had been booted all the same. So the three of us left, and we had our little. Exi- and she
0: was talking about you. Not she was the talking group. about me specifically.
1: Wow, and not the. Gr- and I mean nothing against the guys I was with, but that's just what happened. You know, yeah. she 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 looked at me. She said, "I." She raised her hand when we were all walking off stage. She said, "I disagree one million percent." And then, and then I, and then Simon looked at her and said, "You disagree with one person," and she said. I think you got robbed you know she said just looked at it, it's like I think you got robbed I think you're 100% what's needed in this competition right now and uh, uh she called me Matthew that was like on my sheet at the time I said Matthew I think you got robbed yeah. and 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 so I came back I gave a little speech but that didn't change anything um, I just thanked her. I thanked everybody. Left. We did our exit interview, and this was kind of what happened. W- 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 so, in the exit interview, instead of throwing each other under the bus like most groups did because they're crying and they're angry and they're like so and so messed up the choreography and so and so messed yeah. up his lyrics, uh, we just we just had camaraderie. We just we just stuck together. One of the guys threw his arms around me, you know. To he was crying, and they used this. They aired this piece. This was a huge piece that they aired. It was kind of a it was kind of a joke. I mean, it was definitely... It wasn't like I was. I had a big moment because I was a really good singer. I had a big moment because I was a guy wearing a cowboy hat because they called us the Broke Note Cowboys. <laughs> and there's still stuff on a... Uh, this was back when Brokeback Mountain had just come out. Oh. So they did this whole trailer and they had Don LaFontaine like, do the voiceover back when he was still alive. Oh my I mean, the gosh. legend... I mean, they they must have spent $4 yeah. million dollars on this this spot, you know? And, and, uh, and they... They 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 aired this, and it became such a human interest piece. It became, like, so... Th- that Like, it was one of the highlights of the season. And so um, they, they brought us back for the finale that year as just a bit. And so they gave us, like, a minute and a half song to sing together. And they just said, Ladies and gentlemen, the Broke No Cowboys. And we came out and we sang, Mama, Don't yeah. Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys. Yeah. And I did the best I could. And we got a lot of... Good compliments on the blogs at that time. That's really all there were. Like, I mean, like, seriously, this, this is, this is, this is 2007. So this wasn't this. Was, there was no Twitter. There was no Instagram. Um, Facebook was barely a thing. So you know, the blogs were blowing up. Like, yeah, they sounded really good. They actually like, you know, we really liked it. And, like, and and then that that aired. That finale aired in front of 400 million people worldwide.
0: More than the Olympics.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. Way more. I mean, like. Definitely more than, yeah, the the Olympics. And um, <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, like, well, the, the show when we got booted, I remember the numbers were like the Olympics that day got a 12th share and we got like a, a 16th share, or 18th share or something like that of the ratings. Wow. um, But so the couple of things, I mean, like people looked at that and they're like, well, you're set. <laughs> you know, I got off that show and they're like, well, you you're good now. I mean, like you should be able to go – at least use this and and forward your career and a couple things. One, I mean, the inability to capitalize with social media because anybody that's on the voice now immediately has you know eighty thousand Instagram followers. Yeah, um, <clears throat> followers that you can use to convert you know into uh, streams for you know songs, uh, potentially tour dates. You know, yeah. I mean, reaching people through marketing. Um, so didn't have that back then, and. Uh, the second big thing was the fame was not really connected to talent. It was connected to a gimmick. Yeah. I sounded decent on that finale. I was still pretty young in my career. I don't think I was nearly as good as I am now. And so there wasn't like this, man, this guy just slayed this thing. It's like, he was, he was a hot topic. And I'm, I'm, I'm I came home to a bunch of voicemails on an old, like seriously, this was pre like, so, like I had a, I had a landline with a blinking light and that was, you know, a couple of years later. That all that was all gone. But like, and I was getting calls from magazines on the East Coast and the West Coast, and this and that and the other. And I called them back, and I, I think like none of those ever even panned out. I ended up on Good Day LA. I had a really good spot on Good Day LA. Yeah. And I think that's still on YouTube, uh, somewhere. But um, but uh, even that, you know, it's like it's it's so people think if you. <clears throat> if you really get some good exposure like you're set it's capitalizing on the exposure That's What did the you
0: trick. what did you think when that happened did you think you're like okay i'm i'm going on tour next month
1: I thought that i really got to keep my eyes open and make sure that i that i am able to capitalize on any opportunities but i did, i didn't know how to make the opportunities happen <clears throat> So I did think, you know, this, this is great that I, that I got this exposure, but what's going to happen now? And I just tried to reach out to everybody. And of course I was still a broke, you know, I mean, kind of fresh out of college, three years out of college student at that point. I mean, I still needed to earn and, you know, make a living and put food on the table, pay rent. So it was kind of a scramble of like, okay, how do I do it? Like, who can I call? Like, can I maybe call an agency or something? And then, but it's, it's. Over as quick as it comes, it's yeah. just it's it's a literal fifteen minutes, <laughs> almost a literal fifteen minutes. Where, was you know, there something that
0: you felt like you did wrong, or something you could have done a better job of capitalizing on, or did it just come and leave, and that's how it was going to be? Yeah, I mean, there's always something better you could do. That's yeah.
1: that's for sure. Uh, uh, but yeah, it just it 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 was just it was ignorance at the time of knowing. What to do, you know, and who to reach out to. There's been people who have gotten way, way, way farther on American Idol than I have, uh, who still don't have the level of success that I do today. If that tells you anything, I mean, there's, there's, there's. I got friends that finished in the top with well within the top ten that are now working day jobs and you know playing in cover bands, and um, and it's 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 it's, it's about your hustle. It's about your drive. It's about um, looking a little bit before you leap, you know, and not getting involved with the wrong people, but also making sure you are involved with people and knowing that, and this is something to talk about too, that the music business is your business. You're the CEO. You should know how to run it. If, if you're hoping that somebody's going to come along and run it for you, uh, I think you're going to have a much tougher time and yeah. i and i really think even if you do end up with a really good manager really good record company you should know what they're doing so that you can keep an eye on it because nobody nobody is going to look out for you like you're going to look out your for your music you. career yep yep nobody's going to look out for you like number one is
0: Do people do you ever get recognized yeah i mean when you're out when you're out i got the recognized when store. i
1: walked into your house this morning by you no <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, I mean when you when you go to the store, mm-hmm. does anybody ever walk up to you and be like, "Hey, you're from that?" Yeah, or from American that, Idol that anymore? Thing. No, yeah. I was
1: I looked completely different than when I was on American Idol. I mean, yeah. I, I still had the goatee. I've had that for years. I haven't shaved um, this this portion in in over over a decade. But um, I uh, not from American Idol anymore. I was I was I was. I was thinner. I was ganglier. I was. I was weirder back then. Yeah. Uh. But I get recognized now from my music career here. You know, people. Yeah. I mean, people know that I've, uh, whatever I done. I mean, headlined Parker Days or headlined Rhythm on the River. I've headlined. You know, um. The you know Wheat Witch Carnation Festival. I've done the Grizzly Rose stage. You know, countless times. One KYGO. People. You know, follow the socials. So. Yeah. Um. I mean, I. I get recognized. I mean, not a ton. You know, there's no. They're not tossing up barricades when I walk into. <laughs> when I when I walk into restaurants and stuff like that, yeah, you know, but uh, but yeah, I mean, so it, uh, to to be to tan- to to sort of be uh, topical about what you just asked me, back then for like two or three weeks, like yeah, I would be on the street and people would like run up and take a photo, but it was L.A. I mean, so there's so many people and it's just like who get and it was like there's just a couple times that happened to yeah. sign an autograph and it's the weirdest feeling like signing an autograph and realizing like for what like i've got like i'm doing nothing after this i'm not playing a show i don't have a, a meeting i'm not doing anything but i'm signing autographs
0: the know? the shadow following the 15 minutes maybe Mm-hmm. it's
1: a really it's a really good way to put it that's a nice that's a nice that's good imagery right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm living, a song living in the yeah. shadow of your own 15 yeah. minutes <laughs>
0: So then at some point, you got out of L.A., mm-hmm. obviously, and, and yep. did you come straight back to Denver?
1: So after American Idol, when I when it was kind of apparent that uh, singing was going to be more my thing than acting was, I uh, I headed back to, and, and Rent was getting out of control in L.A., in Burbank, and the place I was living, they were tearing down. So I was just like, you know what? Okay, I'll just go back home, and I'll regroup, And, um, and I fell into like a comfort zone there for a while. I mean, I fell into, uh, like just making money in real estate. Um, it was, it was a down market at that time, but we had figured out the, the powers of wholesaling and fixing and flipping, which was doing really well in a down market. So I, I, I made a good living doing that. And then I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything for a long time. You know, I was, I was just, uh, uh, living and working and, um, a guy hit me up and just said, I saw you, I saw your thing on, on American Idol. I think you got talent and, you know, I'd be happy to sit down and grab a beer or whiskey or sometime and talk to you about it. But, you know, I just wanted to say, great. And we'll see you at the Grammys someday or something like that. And, uh, that guy turned out to be one of my old buddies and, and a player in my band for a while. His name was Jeff Norman. And, um, he was, he's a player in town. He's a historian. He's a, uh, he's a, um, a Buffalo Bill reenactor. The guy looks exactly like Buffalo Bill, and uh, and he was a and so he goes around and does that now. But a really <laughs> cool guy and a great musician that sort of got me into you know kind of helped me assemble my first band. And uh, that band back then was called Matt Buxton and the Hired Guns, and I think we did that for a season or two. And I I mean it was it was my band, but it was kind of led by it was it was it was it was staffed by old guys who would <laughs> say it if they're listening. I mean, like old guys who had been in the industry for a really long time, you know, the guys way like my senior, who had way more experience, but it was still my band. Yeah. So to segue this into someone like talking about like power dynamics and how hard it is to be a leader. I mean, that was, that was supposedly my band, but I had, I mean like if I had an idea, it was immediately, you know, criticized. And if, and if, and if, or at least critiqued, I wouldn't say criticized, um, by, the experience of the people that I was around. And if, if they didn't agree, then it didn't get done. You know what I mean? Nowadays, what I said goes, no matter how stupid it is, if I want you to play the Cupid Shuffle live, you're going to play the Cupid Shuffle live. Right. But back then, do you play the Cupid Shuffle live? I have like that, you know, I, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, you know, I, I'm getting out of the, the, the five set a night sort of cover deals. You know what I mean? But, um, but back when I just had to have like 50 songs of stuff for people on the dance floor, yeah. Heck Cupid yeah. Shuffle is an amazing way to get people on the dance floor. It yep. brings a crowd. They have a lot of fun. And if you can put your own spit on it, fuck it. You know, people know how to dance to it. And, and now where speaking did these- of Here's a side note. Oh, yeah. So Cupid, the guy who wrote the Cupid Shuffle, went yeah. on The Voice like about five, six years ago. You can look this up on YouTube. It's, it's incredible. And went on The Voice and sang the Cupid Shuffle and nobody turned around. So he like he went on the voice, sang, nobody turned around, and this was back like if you're a fan of the show, like it's back when CeeLo was on and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they all turn around afterwards to see who it is and give a few words, and CeeLo turns around he's like, "It's Cupid," and Adam Levine's like, "How do you know everybody's like that's him? That's his actual song. Like he wrote the song, <laughs> and oh. Cupid had gone after." Here's if there's any better example of like how you know one little bit of success doesn't make a career, it's this. I mean, Cupid and the Cupid Shuffle. Like I said, the Cupid Shuffle to you, uh, this is clearly not your genre of music, but you know exactly what the I Cupid it, Shuffle is. I know the is. dance, you know what I mean? Exactly. And Cupid, after all that success with that one song, and I don't know how much streaming revenue it brought in because that was kind of in the early days of streaming, but still had no real direction or better options for his career other than to. Go and try out for the voice. Yeah, I mean, you know, if it,
0: and and it didn't even help him on the voice.
1: Didn't help him. It embarrassed him. Actually, I mean, it was kind of a stupid move. I mean, he had a lot to lose, and I mean, it was, it was, it was. I guess maybe you know, if you look at it the right way, like I mean, and that's something you got to get over in your own mind. Like, is that embarrassing, or is that just a guy trying? Is that a guy being real and recognizing where he is and trying? Like, I just called it embarrassing. Maybe I shouldn't, but. He was well, we
0: tend to tell people we tend to think things are embarrassing when someone's had huge success and then they're doing average person things again. Um, even like, though you might trade anything to have that little bit of huge success, I
1: was having this conversation last night at Thanksgiving where people I'm, t- I'm going on a little vacation to Australia over Christmas, and every time I take a trip now, people are like, Okay, are you playing down there? Or are you just taking a vacation? I guess they say, No, I'm taking a vacation. And then, you know, one of my friends is like, well, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe like hit an open mic or something. And there's that part of me like, yeah, it's stupid. Like, what look at me, look at me, 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 me. open mic. But it, it within in that conversation, I had to check myself. I'm like, who the fuck are you, Buckstein? Who the fuck? <laughs> who are you? And that is is you're Matthew that's, that's, over <laughs> there. Exactly to them. I um I, I that's and that's kind of a really good way to paint my status right now is like um is a nobody trapped into somebody's body. I mean clearly, you know, like Andy Sitto asks me to be on a podcast because, you know, there's there's fans out there. I mean apparently I got some sort of street cred to yeah. be worthy of of sitting down and being on a podcast.
0: I j the only thing you have to be worthy of to be on this podcast is I have to like you. <laughs> I'm the producer. Of the and take
1: shirtless photos and a towel. And take shirtless
0: photos in, and towel. Shirtless <laughs> photos
1: in a towel. <laughs> but, you know, but, but, I mean, and there's, 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 there's good buzz and it's been a good ride. But at the same time, you know, I recognize every day, like, I mean, I'm still at best, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still at best like a, 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 a really talented and successful performer. On, I just call myself really talented. I shouldn't do that. I'm a successful performer on a local level. Yeah, at best, and um,
2: do you, but growing do you all desire,
0: the time. Do you desire to be? Is that still a big goal for you to be Buckstein on a national level? Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd really challenge anybody. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think most people who'd say no to that would be lying. I, I, I certainly will say wholeheartedly, yeah, I want to grow from where I'm at. Yeah. Every year, I've grown in this business. And I've achieved, you know, new things and bigger and better things. Do you and, feel
0: that you've stagnated to, well, Buckstein's a Denver guy. He's big in Denver, but he's a Denver guy. Do you feel yourself growing into a national level? Are there things you're doing to, you know, get, get to that point that you feel comfortable? This is a
1: dangerously loaded question. Yeah. Because if I say yes, and somebody comes back and listens to this three years from now, and I've done jack shit, and that's really embarrassing. But... <laughs> Uh, relating to what we just talked about, about how embarrassing is a state of mind and you should be able to take risks. Uh, Yeah, man, 100%. It's only been in the last really few years. I mean, as long as I've been doing music, you and I go back to 14, 13, something like that. And I mean, I was doing music and had bands in this town since way before then. Right. Um, But only in the last few years have I really started to dive into the mindset of this is my business, I have to manage it, and and I got to... I got to take risks. I got to spend money, and when I do that, there is a pathway to doing bigger and better things than I'm doing right now, and and understanding what independent artists are capable of. The day, I mean, there's so many books I could, you know, and 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 blogs and stuff that you can check out now, and stuff that I can refer you to. I mean, I, I, I if you want to check out some of the stuff that I've checked out, yeah. But um, <clears throat> you know, there's the 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 underlying theme is that the days of the big break are dead.
0: You, have you read uh Ari Hurst book? I just did. i d j- I've got the I read the old one several times. I got the new one sitting. I right got
1: here. I just finished the new one like a couple weeks ago, <sighs> it's man. good. Brilliant stuff. Yeah. And I mean his training courses are top notch. I don't know if you've taken any have of those. Have you stuff. done his are you doing his Instagram course? I did. Or something? Yep. 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 Okay. Yep. And uh, I've watched uh here's a big plug for Ari, but I mean I've watched my um, Instagram following grow about th- or not Instagram. My Spotify following uh Triple almost quadruple in size since I started about I, a month and a half ago. I chain.
0: almost got in when it was like two hundred and fifty bucks. And now it's now about it's a 1, thousand, thousand bucks yeah, and I it. and I can't do it. Um Alec Ryan You fucked up, Andy. I fucked up You big time. fucked
1: up big time. Sorry,
0: man. <laughs> a plug for the show though. I had Alec Ryan on um two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. He's moving to Nashville next week. Just put out his uh, debut of original songs on Spotify. His other his side hustle is as a facebook ads expert mm. he does it for companies not in the music industry he just right. does facebook ads for companies he got involved in the instagram class and was on the facebook group and corrected a couple of the moderators on a couple of things and said actually i think i've
1: seen his, his seen, posts on there yeah
0: yeah and and he said hey actually it's this you know and and he's super polite but he just wants to help right and he yep. said eh, it's actually it's done like this and so he ended up being asked to right. become a moderator on the page. And yeah. so he does meetings with them now, and he's <laughs> he's part of and the... And is
1: he a coach? Because they have an independent coach. We're, we're getting pretty off topic here, but they have an yeah. independent coaching thing now, too. I think I saw that he might be one of those Oh, guys. he might be. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: We're like, real. I mean, you spend about 1000 bucks a month to have somebody essentially do this for you. Yep. So, like, if you're too busy... I thought about it. I, I certainly don't want to shell out that much money. But, I mean... There is There is a point With every independent musician's career Where you gotta You gotta spend money And I mean You gotta do that One of my favorite scenes In any music movie And I got a lot of music movies That I love But I loved Get on up The James Brown story With Chadwick Boseman And And James Brown is having A a uh, um, conversation With um, uh, Richie No uh, uh, Shit Um God. Oh, excuse me. All right, cut that part of me stuttering out. James <laughs> Brown, James Brown is having a conversation with Little Richard over some burgers. Yeah, and Little Richard says to James Brown, like Little Richard is giving him advice on where to go and get his records cut. And this is this is it's kind of an innocuous scene, but it, like it, it's, it's kind of jumped over. But it's always stuck with me. Little Richard says, James Brown's like, "You got a hundred bucks?" And James Brown's like, "No, man." And Little Richard just immediately says, "Rob a liquor store," and I'm like. And then he writes down what he needs to do with his hundred bucks. And and it's so, that is such like a great, I mean, it's like, I'm not saying anybody should rob a liquor store, yeah. but it's like, you got a hundred bucks? No. Fucking figure it out. This is what, these are the steps. This is what you got to do. And without yeah. this, you go nowhere. You go nowhere. You, you know, you want to say, so it's like.
0: However you get your hundred bucks. However you, you bucks. get
1: your hundred bucks. If you, you know, if you're taking out loans, if you've taken, I mean, you find an investor, you go to your auntie and uncle, you know, I mean, obviously you want to do some do the research so that you know this money's going a good place
0: and that's the interesting thing about the the new music business too is it is a very diy environment and conversations i've been having um with ellie my manager and with myself in my head when i'm running every morning Mm -hmm. is i always go back to the give a man a fish teach a man to fish thing yep um for a thousand dollars you can be taught how to do this right. right, or you can have someone else do it for a thousand dollars a month. It adds up really quickly, but then you have to sit back and ask yourself and tell yourself, "I don't, I can't do everything." What makes the most sense to outsource? And that's uh, we
1: might be jumping around in the timeline here, but that sure. comes to like uh, the the part of my business that I've gotten into over the last couple of years, which has been huge, is outsourcing. I've mm-hmm. brought in, you know, I I couldn't find a like a a manager that wanted to sign me, you know, to to like uh, really elevate my career, like at least one that I really want to work with. So I found somebody I asked who had experience. I asked her to work with me and she's brought a lot of great things to the table from her own camp. And I've also been able to train her to do things that I want to do. I've got gals that work on social media for me that do posts and calendars and stuff who mm-hmm. will work how I want them they, I can train them. And so that's been more of me Man, you know, being the CEO of this business, instead of getting involved with a company that promises things, I look at what I want and I find people who will work for, you know, I mean, a decent amount that I can afford or take commissions on things because you got to figure that part out, who will run the business, who help me run my business the way I run and run my business. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah I think that's great. Yeah. So you're, you're, I would say, very involved in the country scene around town. Mm-hmm. Are you are you country or did country find you did country say you know what you look like a cowboy and you have and you're you can hit every note johnny cash can you're going to do country music
1: that the latter for show um yeah. that it's you know people always say i think this is on like this is somewhere in one of my short bios people always say you know he's a cowboy and i tell people i'm not a cowboy i'm just cowboy shaped <laughs> And, um, right. So that wasn't something I could really control. You know, I grew up to be whatever, six foot three or four and, 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 you know, with a deep voice. So that, that, that's just kind of naturally that, that finds you. Um, but yeah, there's certainly nothing about a Denver born Jew that screams country from (laughs) his roots at the same time my father listened to country. I hated it when I was like nine or 10 and then, you know, he's playing and, and, and Thunder Rolls comes on the radio and I fall in love and then yeah. it, it's, it springboards from there. Um, so, and, and, but that's been a pretty big struggle with me and my career and especially with creating music. Andy is that, um, you know, am I country? I mean, it's like, I, I, there's part of me that has realized that kind of where I started in the American idol days of just like sleeveless shirts and cowboy hats all the time was kind of a little bit of an act. It was yeah. kind of a little bit of, I don't want to say a lie, because, you know, style isn't really a lie. If you're born in the city but you want to wear a cowboy hat, wear a cowboy hat, who cares? Yeah. But um, finding out who I really am and and making music that is reflective of that uh, is, is, is tough for some people. I mean, because I think, like, you know, back in the early days of making music, I just kind of made music that sounded like what I heard in my genre, I want to release the. I want to release myself of the of the. Um, uh, what I what I feel like is the. Uh, I want to release myself. I don't. I don't. I don't need to make music. If you're okay, let's restart the sense for the seventh time. If you're going to make music, that's going to be successful. And you are gonna sing it and perform it for the rest of your life. It better be something you can really believe in and give. Yeah, right. And so that's more what I am focusing on. I've I have been tortured with some of the music I released because I started making music and and tortured is dramatic, but I you know I like my first stuff with my like first band back when the band when the band was called Buckstein and we could talk about why that changed but like that was just stuff that was recorded in a warehouse you know and the drummer mixed the project and for for that whole for that process it was like it was done pretty damn well. Mm-hmm. But years later, I was like, this sound isn't what I want representing me. This right. production quality isn't what I want representing me. And so all those songs are gone. You can't find them on yeah. Spotify. I mean, I've, I've removed those things. Yeah. And then, you know, one of the first things I released after that was the Grizzly Rose song that they play, you know, on they they, they use it in ads on the radio and the Grizzly Rose plays it before every national act that they have. So, I mean, that's got, <laughs> garnered some fans and streams. But, um, but you know, you look back on that and you want to move on from that. I I realize like that's a really tough thing as an artist to like put out stuff and then have to look back on it when it's, when it's around forever digitally. Yeah. And, and be okay
0: with it, you know? So who are you? Who are you (laughs) musically? If you know, and that could be what you're doing right now. That could be what you want to be doing in five years. That could be an artist comparison to people that you admire, but who, who do you see yourself as, as an artist? Um,
1: I'm a good time haver. I am. I wouldn't say a problem solver, but I'm a problem easer. Yeah. I I don't really care necessarily about making country music. I want to make music. I'd say that. And, and stuff that we haven't even really been able to study, you know, just just twenty short years ago, when you had to buy CDs, and your 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 capacity to take in new music was limited to your to your wallet, you know, it wasn't just about looking stuff up on YouTube. I mean, you, the, your rotation of music included what you could afford. Now, music is not exclusive to what you can afford. It's it's every, all, all you I mean you need like just a simple Wi Fi. phone and you can have access to every piece of music ever and the days of there being just country fans or just you know just classical fans I mean like it's it's changing because there's so many genres that bleed into each other now and people being experimental and I think that it's it's a little you know I think the roots of country are great and I love some of the old country songs and I love you know I love making and performing songs that are kind of traditional but I'm also a guy that looks. I want to. I want to know what's next. I want to know what's going to be big next. You know, and I want to experiment with some sounds, and I want to try to do some stuff that's different, and I want to do stuff that moves me. Um, so, as a musician, I just. I want to be, you know, I want to be, I want to be a good time, and I, and I want to ease some problems because there, which is all, there's a country association. In it a is kind of, of, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the drinking buddy sort of vibe. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not here to, you know paint a picture of the inner angst you're feeling that you can listen to on a really dark day. And you can definitely listen to it on a dark day, but I want it to make you smile, not like be something that cries along with you. You know what I mean? I yeah. think there's, there's too much, there's, there's only so much time and, and we spend a lot of it worrying by nature. So of I course. think the, the if I, I want to make, I want to help people make every day a cool day. And, um, that doesn't say shit about what my music sounds like, by the way. <laughs> I, think, I think I've think i fallen into a style where everything I sing is always going to be country. I just have developed the twang. I got an accent, man, and I'm from Denver, Colorado. There's no Denver dialect. I just have a dialect that sounds... At least I, I think I still do. I mean, I've, I've, I've developed a dialect probably just from the mi- the state of mind you know what i mean i got into country at a young age and so now like when i talk there's kind of a there's kind of a drawl to it and i don't know exactly where that came from i think yeah. it's a state of mind you know but um yeah. everything i sing will always be country uh i think country sounding and um and i just want you know i just want to create stuff that's that's fun for me and fun for the people that listen to it and that's that's a generic answer i really i really want to give more like yeah <laughs> i really want to give like like deeper, more profound answers than just, I just want to make good music.
0: Well, but that, but that, that says so much in itself. And you're, you're wanting to branch into well, and you've been doing originals for a long time, but mm-hmm. is that, is that where you see yourself as an artist too, as playing more original music than the, than the cover gig? I know you and I have both done plenty of those cover yeah, gigs.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's already started because what happens, and, and this country is a really sort of unique atmosphere for this, because you can be a cover artist and people still then... And I won't say it's exclusive to country. That's that's probably short-sighted. But you, know, you, can, you can be a cover artist and have some really good success and actually make some decent money. And then people are also interested in your original stuff at the same time. So they listen to how you sing Tim McGraw and they want to buy your CD to hear what you've got going. Is that a thing?
0: Yeah, for the, sure. The covers, you don't find yourself that when you're doing a lot of cover gigs... Or when you do a, a Grizzly Rose House band set, mm-hmm. that you are just strictly put in that box, or people see that box and then reach outside of it on their own, say, "Oh yeah, let's."
1: Yeah, no, I think that that's what I mean. People in country really get interested in the artist, regardless of the of the material that they're seeing live. But you got to have some material to give them. I mean, like, because I know bands that just like slay it on the cover scene and just have pretty much nothing going on in the original scene
0: and is that why a lot of country bands you were saying people in that scene want to research want to look into the person do you think that's why a lot of country uh music is named after an individual rather than a band name
2: you know i mean it's, it's
1: maybe i mean i think there is kind of uh in country people want to get in you know invested in somebody's story more than than I mean, group stories are never as intimate as, as an individual's. I mean, there's plenty of bands in country. Of course. Lady Antebellum, you yeah. know, the band Perry, Zach Brown band, I guess that's kind of both. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, plenty of bands, I mean, you know, uh, plenty of bands, but even though there's plenty of bands too where there's like two names, Brooks and Dunn, Montgomery Gentry, yeah. um, Eli Young, you know. Yep. Uh, I, I don't really know, but I, th- I do think that, yeah, like one, one like an artist's story because country is so centered around the story like it, there is something about you know like Blake Shelton singing directly to you and speaking to your heart as opposed to Blake Shelton and somebody else singing together to you there's there's you know the 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 uh the the country country being connected to an individual does it it seems to be more of that there's plenty of individual artists in every genre but yeah. I, I will say yeah i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of that out there absolutely and um and that was a you know if you want to talk about that I mean that was that was a journey I had to kind of discover organically on my own and it was not a pleasant one at times. Well,
0: well, so let's get into that a little bit. Um, you you've performed under a few different variations of the name your mother gave you, mm-hmm. um, or one she married into. Yeah, 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 then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then changed a few times, but well, that's a different story. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Fairy tales. There's a long road to get to the to the happy ending. That's for sure. <laughs>
0: Well so you've you've been a few different things your brand now is as Buckstein. Mm. I mean I think probably most all of your fans and probably most people around town who know the name know that your first name is Matt still.
1: There's a lot that don't seem to but, anymore. I mean there's people yeah. that and that's and that's become yeah like because most of my fans have been developed in the last couple years and that and 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 just being Buckstein is or just going by Buckstein or Buck has been, you know, has been something I've been I've been doing for a while. As I've met a lot of new fans. Now that being said, nobody's stupid enough to think that I was born with one name and it sounds like a last name. Everybody, you know, will look and say you could look on my, I think my bio or I don't know if I, I don't think I have a Wikipedia page yet. I think it's coming, <laughs> but I mean the, the information about my first name is out there, yep. you know. Uh, but yeah, so I mean that uh, the the name. It was just sort of something people gravitated to. I never really loved the name Matt. It never like I mean, it, it, no offense, mom. I mean, and they like <laughs> I, I mean, like I was I, my 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 Hebrew name is Mordecai, so nobody calls me that.
0: That can be your side project.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, and they and I was given you know the I was named kind of loosely after my my great grandfather Mono. And uh and my mother and my father to this day can't agree on how I got my name. My mother says that I was named after a Bronco player my dad really liked at the time. My my dad says, no, no, you were named after your great grandfather. But my mom says, Yeah, but also a Bronco player. And <laughs> so as as I, you know, I grew up, people just always kind of gravitated toward Bucky or Buckstein. Yeah. And 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 then and then there was something about it that just like in the industry, people were like, last name nice, is Buckstein. That's cool, man. And um when I had started you know, like, I mean, like, like I said, my first band, like band band was like Matt Buckstein and the Hired Guns. And then, uh, that, you know, that fizzled. And then I was, I started up with some other guys and we were looking for a name for the group. And I said, how about Buckstein? And they said, yeah, man, that's great. Why? Yeah. Why not? You know? And, and so what happens then is you know the I mean you start a band, we all pretty much start bands the same way. we start bands with anybody who throws their hand up and says i 'll play with you because you know we have no money, we have no gigs, we have no promise of anything, so yeah. we 're just looking for people to collaborate with right and um what happens in the next few years is critical because people either make their 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 worth and their weight known or they don't and every every band has to bands are so hard man they break up, and their power struggles i mean it's just it's, it's, there's certainly challenges to being an independent artist where it's just you. But um, the, you know, if, if you're going to start a band with somebody, you better be sure that that person is one of your best friends. And I mean, it it's, it's, it's got to be like getting married. Because if there's success, you're going to talk about all the same things you're going to talk about in marriage. you can talk about your sleeping arrangements. You're going to talk about your travel arrangements. You're going to talk about your shared finances. You're going to talk about all of that shit. And if you have a successful career and that's how you make your living, I mean, you are tied together. Even in some ways worse, because at least in a marriage, you can get divorced. And, I mean, like, maybe start... But, like, if you, if you got that project and that's all you got going for you, you know, you better... <laughs> You better be ready to do that for the rest of your life with that person, yeah. Because you can't split up, and you know, at most it's very hard to split you up. Better and have keep, a
0: hell of a prenup.
1: Keep the momentum exactly, exactly. Yeah, and you don't because you literally started you start together from, from scratch. Yeah. So dividing up when you split up is is impossible. So, but what happened with me was, um, I slowly over time realized like I was doing. I mean, there were certainly guys that were you know putting in some love and time, but eventually their love and time fizzled and. And it was up to me to, to get stuff done. And then, you know, this guy who was kind of an originating member falls out and uh, and he, uh, uh, you know, and then he gets replaced. And then so he gets replaced by a guy who's just more or less a hired gun. And and then that happens a few times over. And then eventually, like, some guy shows up and, and he starts, you know, he wants to sign on. And I've had shit, like, you know, it's like, you know, some guy's, like, looking at the wants to know the finances, wants to know all the behind scene thing, wants to know all the money. And like this guy is, is wants to take a sixth of stuff that's been established for five years before he even got there. And I think at, at, at some point I looked at my last, like, you know, my last band photo and looked at all the faces in there and I realized, what am I doing? I mean, there, these are, what is this really? I, I love these guys. I want I want this to be good for them as it is for me but I'm the one you know I'm I'm investing like my my time into getting this booked and 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 you know making sure that this stays successful and and a lot I it, uh, the, the no I mean uh, these guys want to be involved more and then that brings up another question mm-hmm. is who do you really want to work with
0: I'm relating to this so much
1: people people like they want to be involved more people want to write. And I've had a lot of people want to write with me over the years. And I've written with a lot of people and, and you click and you don't click. And so are there people that you can be in a band with who also you would never really want to write creatively with? Absolutely. That can exist. So these guys want to start being creative. And then I start seeing what their creative input looks like. And it's so hard to have the conversation. I never really effectively had it where I said, listen, I like you as a player. But I do not vibe with you creatively when it comes to creating original material. It's not what I want to do. And so eventually one day I had a realization that, you know, the faces in this band photo weren't needed for me to be successful. Um, And so Buckstein is you. So Buckstein, I I just, and I I thought about, you know, rebranding, which wouldn't have been hard to do at the time. I didn't have, I mean, I maybe had a third of the following I do now. I mean, I could have changed the names, I could have changed the, t-shirts there weren't that many you know It wasn't there wasn't that much stuff out it would have been very easy but people had already started to just call me buckstein and and just refer to me by my first name and so i just said you know just like share or seal or <laughs> anybody else i'll just be an artist with a first name and and and
0: people are digging that and I don't know if it'll be that way forever, but it feels good now. But that so that way, if if you go and play a solo set at the Toad Tavern for a Songwriters Round, or play with a band, yeah, you're always Buckstein I'm Always Buckstein. And, and sure, you might have a bass player that sticks around for years, and the fans start to know Timmy because he's awesome and he yeah. has this beard and he's got a great image. But even when Timmy leaves, still Buckstein.
1: Absolutely, and that's that's one thing you you know you recognize too is like when you take a look at your band, you got to realize that you know, you, you are, you are spreading the, uh, you, you're, you're spreading out your, your, your need to rely on people. You gotta, I mean, every one of these guys, if, if you're making a band and it's, it's five equal members, what are the odds that five people are going to, whose visions are going to remain the same for years on end. I mean, most bands come down to two or maybe three founding members that should be on the same page. Yeah. Um, but, you know, take a really long, solid look and and decide, like you know, if 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 you're gonna do, you know, like if if you got all these faces in a band, I mean, is it is the, is the project stronger because they're there? And I'll say personally, for me, I've noticed, even though, yeah, I mean, dude, I got, like I said, I'm a I'm a I'm a, I'm a nobody trapped in somebody's body. I mean, I I you know, round here, like I I. I, I, I book gigs based on just reputation. People call, they know they've seen me and they, and, and, you know, I get to play some really good shows and open for some great people and do a lot of good stuff. But, um, I've got a lot farther to go, but I, but I, but I've noticed so much greater, uh, personal success and success for the project overall to be able to even kind of pay my guys like more steady wages and uh, bring them to much, cooler gigs and have them treated better backstage and stuff when i when i when i branded this the way i wanted to and i just started to control everything and i just made the decision listen this is no longer a band project this is an art, artist project yeah and then of course there's you know there are challenges with that you got to find players that are going to get behind you in that you got to find players that are that are down to be hired guns
0: and and it's not always gonna uh i mean the the pay is a huge thing too. Mm-hmm. I I know I've struggled with, with my band is, are you paying me enough to be a hired gun mm-hmm. and not a creative yep. equal? And it's really tough to find that balance. Oh, yeah. And and I I know for me anyway, I on, on some gigs I'm paying out of pocket a little bit because it's a good investment gig for the band or whatever. But right. I'm sure that must be tough too, right? Making it, you got to find good, good side people that are down at you, the same time.
1: You got to, I mean, you know, the the days of you playing for free are gone. You can do a free show all you want, but your guys still need to make money, and I believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah, my guys don't know, you know, what I taken at this show or that show, and if they did, maybe they'd feel sorry for me sometimes. But like, you know, there's some shows that I play where absolutely I lose money. Yeah. There are some shows I play where I make money. Sure, and <clears throat> um, I try to pay them fairly. I bonus when I can. I buy meals. Yeah, you know. Make sure they get laid if that's their thing. That's you know? awesome. <laughs> if I can help. But, yeah. uh, you know, whatever it is, keep them happy because, yeah, the money is shit. All these guys have day jobs that need to earn them more than they're making per gig. I don't, I don't care what it is. You know what I mean? when you, I mean, none of us are playing enough to, to really call this full time, but it puts a little something in their pot. You know what I mean? It's a... A good local band, you know, like, you know, based on what somebody else might be making locally in their day job, you might be giving them a 10 to 20 percent raise on their total salary over the year, which is nothing to sneeze at. That's nice, especially for just playing music. Yep. But it's way better when you go out and you get treated right. When you got a ride there, when you show up and there is a green room and maybe there's some free beer, or free drinks. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the gig being cool and fun has value as well. You know, yeah. if you just show up to the to the side and you know you got to drag your stuff across the parking lot, and there's no one. I mean, it's like you know that the, that the here's the, 75 ex- bucks. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> the the experience The experience is what makes. I mean, I think that lots of musicians would take a giant would take a hefty pay cut. We're all taking pay cuts being musicians. Let's be honest. Every single one of us could have done something with our lives that would have been uh, more more lucrative probably maybe uh but uh but you know most musicians would take a hefty pay cut to play for some an artist that's a good hang and has fun gigs than to just play for straight you know bottom line numbers alone um so so yeah man anyway it was a uh, it was a tough it was it was it took it took it took way more years than it probably should have um to realize what this really was and uh and unfortunately i lost some friends doing it um i never wanted to lose friends and it was never my goal to stop talking to people i i mean i'm not the most lovable guy andy <laughs> i appreciate the fact that guys like you still still think i'm kind of cool and want to talk to me but you know it's like <laughs> stop like 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 i you know i i i understand i mean i'm you know i mean and this is another thing too like being a being an artist you know takes a certain amount of ego you gotta have yeah. a certain amount of ego to, to command the stage and the audience responds to that the audience wants to see confidence in what they see yeah, on stage you know what I mean but then you also gotta go to your guys and you gotta be able to take shots at yourself and remain humble I mean one of my Favorite musicians right now won't name names, but calls me, you know, like America's most lovable douchebag. That's, and I I think he says that like jokingly, but I think there's a fair amount of truth to that joke where he's like, you know, God, this guy's just kind of a big dumb wannabe redneck, but he's a nice guy and he treats me really well. Yeah. And he's a good drinking buddy. And, you know, trying to find the balance of that for me has been so tough because, like, I got to do all the hustling right now. I don't have like a, a, team, a like a record label around me, like talking me up. It's so tough. I got to talk me up, and that is really fucking tough. I mean, like you know, being a hype man for yourself is so hard. I, after the American Idol thing, one thing I never did, and you asked me what I could have done different, I never went around and shook hands and said, "Hi, I'm Matt Buxton from American Idol." You know what I mean? Hi, like you know, it's like I'm at for Hi, but like I'm at, I, like I never even mentioned it. If you read my bio right now, it's barely on there. You yeah. know, guys, like I mean, you you remember it probably from I don't know. I mean, like years ago when we used to talk about that more, but yeah. it's, it's a footnote. And so being my own hype man has always been tough, but it's one of those things you gotta learn to do. You yep. know, and if and if you're bad at it, hire someone to do it. Like I mean, you know, or at least figure out a way to still get the hype done
0: yeah it's tough to do i i relate so much it's so refreshing to hear somebody talk about this as a you know i'm i front my band and it's got my name on it the, the difference is my last name is uh, unpronounceable as we found out earlier but it's it's such a tricky thing because you got it you got to take care of your people People say buck stein all the way by the way all the time oh yeah people fuck my name. you should allow that in october maybe
1: i should sell stein
0: yeah 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 stein But it's it's just tricky. You got to take care of your people, and you're trying to build your brand, and it's uh, you know it's not always pretty, and you just try to do the best you can.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean every single piece of that. Like, how do you brand? How do you market? What do you sell? Why do you sell it? How do you ship it? How do you do? Who cares? Like, who gives a shit? Like, who who yeah? Who's out there to really care about anything? Um, and 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 you know, being a little bit bigger than yourself, showing up for the gig. Playing for the gig you want, not for the gig you have. Yep. You know, I mean, live show. When you talk about doing cover songs, you know, I I still do. You know, we were talking about transitioning. I mean, I play. I don't have enough original music right now to play a full set of original material, mostly because I canned a lot of it like five years ago and don't play it live. Yeah. I would have a great set list of original music if I if I you know could stand some of the earlier of stuff. Right. But since I started producing stuff that I think is all right, like close to radio quality. I still got to put on a 90-minute show or a two-hour show you yeah. know, for most places I go. I mean, that's a showcase length. It is nine. When you go out and watch a national actor playing, about 75-plus minutes, right? Right. So I got to do that. And so when I do covers now, they're not just – I try not to make them straight covers. I try, to, I try to change I try to give it my take, you know, because if I'm going to give some – if I'm going to show people that this, this project, like a, a, a show by me, is full of creativity and originality – then i better bring that even with cover tunes and there's plenty of great examples in that you know i mean like bands that have done cover tunes and been wildly successful with them you know i thought that i mean um i thought 10,000 fists in the air was a disturbed song until i found out that was originally genesis yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know is that thinking the right tune
0: covers can be done uh, better than the original.
1: Yeah. In a lot of cases. For sure. I mean, look at Wagon Wheel with Darius Rucker. Right. I mean, that was Old Crow Medicine show all day, and a lot of, of us knew that, but it never reached even nearly. I mean, and that's probably, to this day, one of his biggest songs ever. Well,
0: I didn't even realize, I was. that was a time when I was playing at a piano bar, doing doing Pianos gig, and I had known that song for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And I remember when the first time somebody put Wagon Wheel by Darius Rucker up on the the bandstand and I made fun of him. I said, no, it's not, you know, you had, and I didn't, I hadn't even heard that version yet. <laughs> and I got schooled, you know, the yeah. performer got schooled because they said, well, actually, yes, it is not the original, but right. Yeah. No. Know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the total cover. I mean, it's probably licensed. And it was an
0: old Crow Medicine show covered part of it, right? Those were some old Bob Dylan lyrics.
1: Yeah. No, actually, the history of that song was that it was, like, I think the Rock Me Mama can be, like, is attributed to Big Bill Brunsey back in, like, okay. the 20s or 30s. Wow. And then Dylan came along with just the hook, the Rock Me Mama, like a wagon wheel, sang that on, like, a work tape. And then Old Crow Medicine show 15, 20 years later took that and made... The notorious wagon wheel rock mountain like wagon wheel, and then ten years, fifteen years after that, Darius Rucker did his thing. Yeah. I mean, and so there's an argument right there for, and this is a different topic, but I mean, uh, if if you're if you're cutting music, it doesn't always have to be shit that you wrote. Like, yeah, cut some They're other cool. like do a cool cover. I got. I I've heard of this band Pamplemousse recently. Have you ever heard of these yeah, guys? Yeah, yeah, yep. Well, they have the. They got the, the
0: site too. You know, the, right? Don't they have the? I don't right? even know. They, I I think they started um a funding site for musicians. Am I thinking of the wrong group?
1: You might be. I mean, I only found them on Spotify because I was like kind of looking up stuff uh, about uh, the 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 worldwide. Oh. Hit um old town Road, yeah, and they had done a really cool, and this had been done with other d j s but they did a really cool version their own of old town road mashed mashed with uh genuine 's my pony from the nineties yeah and i can 't stop listening to it on spotify, but you know it 's like there's a cover that probably did a lot of great things for their following, you know, because it's like those there's that's appealing to a base that I, at least from what I can tell, their music doesn't look like their
0: own they base do on. a lot of cool cover stuff. And, and I believe unless I'm totally off base, that that's the group they started. W- what is the monthly funding where you can fund a musician? Oh, uh, and you know, you get exclusive stuff. I, I can't believe I'm not thinking the name of this right now. It's definitely mentioned in our book. Okay. Uh, but I, I believe that was that group Interesting. that started that okay. site. I'll, yeah. I'll think about
1: yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. no, I, you're right. You're right. I think that was mentioned in Herstand's book. Um, and uh, and I, yeah, well, for anybody so, listening, that was very informative. Yeah, very, very informative.
0: <laughs> um, or, or maybe correct us, middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. Let us know yeah. how wrong we are. <laughs> um, I wanted to touch on really quick, I know we've talked some about Grizzly Rose. How is the Grizzly Rose and in, in KYGO done they've they've done some great things for your career and i think a lot of people uh would recognize your voice your sexy radio voice um stop it (laughs) uh, stop it because you've done you do songs for them and sometimes they're really goofy you know about thanksgiving or whatever Um, and you also i think when people locally think about the grizzly rose you're one of the group's that they think of. I know a lot of house bands come in and out of there and some are from out of town and stuff, but you're Mm -hmm. one, whereas you're driving by I 25, Buckstein's going to be on there a whole lot of the time. Um, And, and you also are in there opening for a lot of the biggest acts that are in there. What is, what have those two things been like for your career?
1: I mean, those are, those are, those are, those are those stepping stones that you need, right? I mean, getting involved with uh, the, the biggest country, uh, well, the biggest, I, I don't want to over pump them, but like the, so the Grizzly Rose is um, like for a medium sized venue is one of the most notorious ones in the region, if not the world. I mean, Grizzly Rose is known. So for that to be in my home state and to get involved with them on a, on a local level. And <clears throat> I am one of the only local guys that uh, has been blessed enough to, to play there. They don't you and there's a lot of local country acts and they, to, to really have not let any of anybody else in.
0: It's tough to get in. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I did, um, and uh, have been for many years. And I've been, you know, uh, I'm very grateful for the opportunities they've given me, and hope to expand upon those in the future. Um, but yeah, playing there was great. I mean, playing. I mean, I I, I think my highest like year there. I mean, I I did maybe seven weeks of the year there. Like just, you know, cause and it was one of those years where like, they called me a few times cause like a band was bailing on this week or whatever. And I'm the guy close by. So they're like, so like, yeah, man, I'll come help. Um, and, uh, and getting involved with them and, uh, has been great. I wrote a song not to be a jingle in any way. I wrote just a song about the place, like the first, after the first week that I'd ever played there and I produced it had done produced and I gave it to them and they liked it a lot. So they play it all the time. And then, and then they gave that to KYGO to like put on their commercials. I probably should have gotten some money for that, but I didn't (laughs) (laughs) like if if anybody's wondering how not to do shit, but here, well, actually I'll say this. Well, I think the owner one time, I think we were drinking together. Like, you know what? You're right. I should have paid you for that. Here's a dollar. And then now we can say that I paid you for it. So you can never come back and say that, which I'm sure it wouldn't hold up in court, but I would never go to court. It's stupid. Here's why. Because, When you when you when I had the ability to like create a song that they wanted to use, who gave a shit? Like the but what it was do, it did exactly what it needed to do, which was increase my popularity in this town. And it was you know it didn't cost me a ton to make, right. and so it doesn't. I mean, I, I get the streaming revenue off like based off you know they I mean they they you know, they play it all the time, and it gets shazammed or sound hounded, and then I get streaming revenue off of that. So it's it, you know I am getting paid for it. Um, it's it's one hundred percent my original composition. And it led me to um, KYGO. KYGO was doing this segment, excuse me. KYGO was doing this segment um, a long time ago called Write a Song Wednesday. (coughs) They don't really do, we still do monthly songs, but for a while, one of their bits was every song, every every Wednesday they would have an artist in that would do a song uh, based on a topic and like, writers would call like, or um, excuse me, listeners would call in and they suggest lyrics. And then we'd have an hour to go write this tune. And I was doing that for months, months, months. And I became like friends with the, the DJs. And eventually, um, they just, they, they started start, stopped using everybody else and they just used me exclusively. And so for right. a while I was doing it every single week. And then, and then like all bits do it, kind of ran its course and we're doing them more like monthly now you know, and I'm sure eventually it'll be done, but I mean, it's been great. People listen to me on KYGO and, um, I've gotten some endorsements. I've gotten some commercial stuff on KYGO with them, you know, where I can, where I can come on and, you know, uh, like people use me for voiceovers on their products and stuff like oh, that. Oh, I
0: was gu- I was going to say you do voiceover on, pro- on, on, you things. know, I,
1: oh, that's a tricky thing too. I mean, I, I'm not a voice, I'm not really a voiceover artist. I kind of am. I mean, being a real voiceover artist takes talent that I don't have. I've, no. I've got one of my best buddies is actually a voiceover agent just happened. to We were friends in college and then he became a voiceover agent here. One of the top in the state. And for a while he was sending me stuff, you know, say me like, like, he was he was sending me like voiceover auditions or stuff like that and he would show me what other guys in town were doing and i listened to reels of other guys and i was like wow i'm not that good i mean i got a decent voice but to be able to perform on the microphone for like commercials and stuff is a a talent i haven't honed yeah um so so yeah so i uh uh but yeah, KYGO was great, and people obviously they, they hear you, they see you, they see your name connected to that in my promo material and stuff like that. And like this guy is someone we could sell at our event down here at this thing we're doing down here, or this festival, or this fair, or whatever. Like we can promote this guy regularly hurt we you know seen K- at, at Grizzly Rose regularly heard on KYGO, yeah. And uh, and every single one of those opportunities has been great. And my if I you know my little piece of advice to 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 deal with that is uh, you should um always take there when our boy Arby was talking about this my basic point is here you don't always have to get paid yep. don't always look to get paid um if take gigs for exposure be careful when somebody offers don't play exposure. Him with your pants down
2: <laughs> right, but,
1: right, but right. That other kind of exposure. exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Not uh, decent exposure is what we want. Right. Not indecent.
0: And, and speaking of our boy, uh, of our boy Ari, the it's called Patreon. The Pumplin Moose ah! Crew started the website Patreon. Okay, yes, right. I right. had I, w- I had to find that. They started. Okay,
1: all right, cool. Yeah. Patreon. Yep. Um. But uh, so, and what is it? He talks about in his book the. The trifecta of a gig, yeah, that's the perfect thirty. The perfect thirty. Is so it? It, does perf- it pay. Yeah, like there's ten points for pay. Yeah. There's ten points for it being a cool Exp- gig. Yeah. And there's ten points for exposure. Yeah. And so if you can get, what's what's his like mi- minimum math? Like Twenty three. Twenty three. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, if if you got like a ten on the pay scale. And a 10 on the exposure scale, but it's a shitty gig. Like, it's really not very great. You know, like, you can consider doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or if it's... But if it's zero exposure, but it pays really well, and... What was I? I'm already forgetting how it works. And it's a cool gig. And it's a, it's a cool gig.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Then,
1: then that's good, and too. And I
0: don't remember if he had an exact number or if it was just a reference point, because personally... I don't care if it's a shitty gig and there's no exposure if it pays really well. Yeah. If if there's a ten in that category, I'll take the gig.
1: Well, I've told in a in a um uh a drummer uh who used at least one of my good friends who who is no longer a good friend anymore. Sad story. But gave me a piece of advice that I always lovable douchebag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's me, baby. Um, gave me a piece of advice that always stuck with me, and he said, um. I'll play for no money and I'll play for nobody, but I won't play for nobody for no money. Yeah. And that, that's, you know, that's, 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 that's a really good rule of thumb. right That's,
0: there. I actually, I think that says it all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, shit. What else? Well, as I think we run we're out kind of, of tape yet, I think we're, <laughs> I don't know how that whole thing works. <laughs> I'm a millennial. Um, I, I think that about wraps up. Is there anything else you wanted to mention? Any big things coming up?
1: Uh, big things coming up. I'm, I'm, I'm hibernating. I'm hibernating for the rest of the year, uh, working on the behind the scenes. Uh, something that people should know is that, yeah, there's a lot you know people. Isn't it funny? Like when you're not playing a show, people ask, you know, people just assume that you have free time. Like you're not doing anything. Like yeah, there's you're that, just home. Yeah, yeah. If you're not playing a show, like what could you possibly be doing every single day? Is is bogged down Packed. with is with just a a list of things that I got to get done for the music business and sure. and for my business and for things I'm trying to achieve in 2020. Um, so no public gigs, as far as I know, unless something pops up for me for the rest of 2019 but, uh, 2020 should be a hell of a good year. Uh, starting with a really cool show during stock show at the Littleton town hall event center, um, which tickets are on sale for that now. And it's a really cool hall. And, uh, we put on a, a nice show. That's a nice change of pace from the, uh, the, the festival summer circuit. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a theater. It's a little more intimate, get a chance to talk with people a little more, tell some stories. And, um, and then uh, booking up a lot of cool stuff for 2020, and I'm hoping to make 2020 the, the best year yet. So check in with me in a year or two, and we'll see how
0: all these all these plans come together. Well, hey, Buckstein, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate your time. It was a blast. Andy, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks so much. Bye, right All right. Thanks, Buckstein. Super appreciate your time and your knowledge. That was a lot of fun. I I just I love I love doing this. I love meeting new people. I love catching up with old friends like today was. And it, it's just awesome. And we were chatting afterwards before he left. And he said, man, we should do a show together sometime. I thought, man, absolutely. Let's do a show together sometime. So maybe maybe that'll happen in twenty twenty. Really cool guy, filled with knowledge. We talked for a while before the episode and after the episode and and helped each other out, gave each other some advice on things, and it was great. So thanks for doing that, Buckstein, and thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the podcast, please go on to—the very best way you can support us is on Apple Podcasts. On the Apple Podcast app, if you go and rate and review, that is the very best thing— you can do. That helps me to get new guests on. That helps me to get new listeners. That helps me to have more people listen to this episode. Of course, any way that you listen to the podcast helps. And let us know that you're listening. And if you have any suggestions, questions, comments, concerns, hate mail, death threats, you can send them all to middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. I want to say a quick thanks to our sponsors. First of all, Patrick at PQ Mastering. PQ Mastering puts the finishing touches on this podcast. And for all of your audio or restoration needs, go to www.pqmastering.com. We also have a new sponsor, and that's Narrator RF. Narrator offers simple and affordable licensing on exceptional music for sync. For example, if you are having a wedding ceremony and you're trying to put together a slideshow for the bride and the groom who are from Ireland, I don't know, I just made that up, you can go to narratorrf.com and type in Irish music and a few samples will show up. You can purchase one of those songs royalty free for cheap and use it in the video i'm one of the composers on the website so i certainly have a vested interest but i can assure you it's a great website a growing website and there's lots of wonderful music on there i think that's all i have for now i'll be back in a week or two with a new episode of middle class rock star thank you so much for listening until next time we're gonna play you out with some Buckstein.
2: There's a place I know called the Grizzly Run Where all us country folk like to go place I know called the Grizzly Roads Where all us country folk like to go You can line and dance and drink all night And we ain't gonna stop till the six nights a week, and the DJ knows you don't stop the beat, it's cold beer, and hot women, and all the cowboys wanna get with them, DJ, turn it up, pump the bass and make them throw their hands up, singing country songs, party all night long, Battle stop a rocking to the cows come. country, share this stage, everybody knows it's the place to play, ladies drink free every Thursday night, if you want to get ready, we can drag you outside, so do a little dance, make a little love, put a drink in your hand and raise it up, to call me hot women, all the cowboys, I want to get with little turn it up, hold the bass and make them throw the hand.